welcome to Behind the Mask. I'm one of your co-hosts, EJ, and joining me today is T. Hey. Uh, it's just the two of us today. Lori will hopefully be back next time. Today, we're going to talk about when our masks are bullied, um, which is a tough topic for a lot of people. Hopefully, we don't make anybody struggle. And just a reminder, the stuff that we talk about here is not meant to diagnose you or to be replaced um, for a diagnosis from your doctor, therapist, psychologist, you know, you have your own professionals that you need to talk to. Um, we're just here to kind of talk about our own experiences and maybe a little bit of the science and mental health behind it, but everyone's going to be a little different. So don't forget that you need to still talk to your own professionals about that. So I'm going to let T take over. And So on the topic of bullying, we thought we'd start with what it looks like when you're in school, because for most, that's where it starts. So I, I went and I gathered some information from a website called uh, Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center. Uh, and they had a lot of great statistics. Well, they're not so great because it's actually pretty sad, but they had uh, statistics on various aspects of bullying. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you want to know more about it than what we cover here. But before I, I start that, I want to talk about what bullying is according to the definition. And it's to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone uh, that the that bully perceives as vulnerable. Bullying behaviors often starts when we are kids. Types of bullying reported in school settings uh, include things like being made fun of, called names, or insulted, being the subject of rumors, subjected to physical bullying, such as being pushed, shoved, tripped, or spit on, and being excluded from activities on purpose. According to this website, one out of five students report being victims of bullying. Boys are more likely to experience, according to their own self-report, physical bullying. Girls are more likely to experience being the subject of rumors and exclusion from activities. The reasons for being bullied reported most often by students include physical appearance, race or ethnicity, gender, disability, religion, sexual orientation. And this is according to the National Center for Educational Statistics in 2019. In more recent years, cyberbullying has become a thing, especially as the availability of technology and internet has become more accessible to the younger uh, children and teens. Effects of bullying can include students who experience bullying are at an increased risk for depression, anxiety, sleep difficulties, lower academic achievement, lower self-esteem, negatively impacts their relationships with friends and family, schoolwork, and dropping out of school. And that's according to the Centers for Disease Control in 2019, as well as the National Center for Educational Statistics in 2019. So having gone over that, um, I thought we would stop and talk about our own experiences, if any, um, as children uh, that we may have experienced. Where do you want to start? <laughs> right. Um, so I've been overweight all my life. So I definitely have experienced some form of bullying. Um, I was always a nice kid in school. Um, so I had friends, but the ones that I weren't quote unquote friends with um, often would make comments about me, about my weight, just tease me. Um, I think when I was in like first grade, I came home from school one day on the bus and somebody had thrown gum in my hair, which is just, it's typical kid stuff. They do it. Um, I'm not justifying it. And just even from then, like because of that, and the trauma that I had from that experience, I didn't want to ride the bus to school ever again. So my mom started taking me to school um, and, you know, being overweight. I mean, and I was I was raised in a family where both my parents were <coughs> moderately overweight. My dad was a little more overweight than my mom. So I was raised to um, 
love myself who with who I was and what I looked like and not think about myself in a negative light. Like I wasn't treated because, you know, there's that bullying of telling you that you're fat and, you know, all those names. There's been times where parents have called their children that too. And thankfully, I didn't have that. I was very blessed with parents who supported me for who I was. um, And I learned to love myself. Um, So I didn't, even though they said that stuff to me, it didn't hurt me, but it still affected me, you know? And then of course you get those times where because I'm overweight, uh, I didn't want to, like people didn't want to pick me to play on their basketball team and I couldn't run as fast as anybody. So when I'd go to like gym class, gym class was the worst in elementary school, junior high and high school, just because it was basically oh. putting my physical, you know, issues right on the table. <laughs> no way to avoid it. Yeah. And so I would like, I would try to get out of gym. Like, you know, I didn't want to be seen in a bathing suit. So when we had our cycles of like, we had to go to swimming, I would like try to pretend I was on my period. I mean, um, just because I didn't want to have that um, teasing, even though I love to swim, I still do. It's just, yeah. So I, it was a lot of the, um, the name calling for me, not so much the physical. And I remember when I was in like third grade, the school counselor just randomly came down to my classroom and asked to talk to me in the hallway. And she pulled me out and wanted to sit down and talk to me about how was I feeling? Did I feel like I was being bullied? And I was like, what are you freaking talking about? You know, because at the time, like, again, I had grown a thick skin from the, you know, teasing and stuff. And I just didn't care. And I don't remember if it was more of a, I didn't care because I felt good about myself or if it was because I just ignored them. Like I knew they weren't worth my time. I would take a bet that it was probably both. Yeah, probably. It, it sounds like uh, some of it comes from the fact that you're, you know, at home, you had supportive parents, you had a mm-hmm. place to go where you were valued. Yeah. And so that countered what right. the kids were saying and kind of took away the power of it. Amen. That's true. That's a good point. Did you have other tactics that you used to deal with it when you were in school? Um, I don't no, I mean, I guess elementary school, it was more or less just trying to avoid it. I, well, I guess junior high, high school is the same thing too. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it never got severe enough where I felt like I was getting depressed because of it or being anxious about it or because of it. I didn't feel like I have PTSD from that kind of experience, which I'm grateful for. And I think you're right. Like, because I had the positives at home, it kind of outweighed the negative that I'd get at school. Right. It kind of gave you the opportunity to see that um, you didn't have to take this on as an identity, that you didn't have to Mm. take this on as what they were saying is who you were. You knew who you were because that was instilled in you. Yeah. Yep. Well, I know that I I dealt with a lot of bullying um, in, a, in a couple of different aspects. Uh, when I was in the younger uh, grades, kindergarten, first grade, I was so horribly picked on that they decided. Now, now keep in mind, this was in the 70s. I'm going to age myself a little bit. But <laughs> this was in the 70s. And they were s- still trying to get a grasp on on different aspects of things. I don't think they really knew a lot about bullying and its effects on kids and whatnot. And right. they were just trying things to deal with it uh but apparently i was picked on so bad and i i remember it i don't like you i don't remember being infected by it that much mm-hmm. i went home and uh, i was with my mom and she you know i was just the center of the world at home right. my sister and i were so it didn't make a lot of sense to me what the kids were saying and so i like you said kind of thick skin about it yeah. but uh it was so bad that i remember 
I had a couple of friends in the next grade up uh, when I was in the first grade and they were in the second grade and they would talk about all the things they were learning. And I loved school. I loved everything about school uh, when it came to learning, reading, writing, et cetera. And they were talking about how they were learning to write cursive. And I was Mm. so excited to do that. And I remember the first day of second grade, I walked into the classroom. I found my desk. My name was in cursive on my desk. And I remember I was sitting there. I was so excited by everything around me in that classroom. And the recess bell rang. And the first grade teacher came in and pulled my second grade teacher out into the hallway. And then they came back in and pulled me aside. And the first grade teacher told me that there had been a mistake. I wasn't supposed to be in the second grade, which totally floored me. I I was so confused. My name was on the desk and everything. And I was so confused. Well, then we ended up moving. So I was back in the first grade again. I never did at that time understand why I was repeating the first grade. And um, until much later, my mom told me what happened. But basically, uh, they decided because I was one kid... Out of 20-something kids, it was easier to hold me back to keep me away from the kids who were bullying me rather than address the bullying issue. And made it even worse is that in my school's transcripts, they wrote, I find it funny now, at one time I was highly offended, but they wrote that I was socially unacceptable. Oh, my God. So in some ways, I wasn't just bullied by the kids. I was bullied by the system. (sighs) And and so, but I didn't, I didn't have any awareness of that. And, mm. and being held back didn't really have any long-term effects on me. Uh, over time, um, some other things happened and I ended up living with my dad. And one of the things that my dad taught me, one of the few really good things he taught me was to laugh it off. When I was getting picked mm. on, just laugh it off. It didn't really matter. It was just words. And I remember the first few times I tried that. It worked, and I was and I was shocked because people didn't know what to do with the fact that I was laughing at what they were saying about right. me. So that really helped. And then on top of that, I was a bit of a scrapper. So <laughs> anytime, anytime there was a physical is, is situation that came up, I was able to handle my own, and so that really helped. And the, one of my final bullying instances, uh, outright bullying instances, was in the fifth grade. And this kid had I was brand new because we moved a lot. I was brand new in this school. And this kid, of course, had to pick on me. And he kept, we were in gym class and he kept kicking the back of my heels and pulling my hair, normal kid stuff in that way. And I I kept telling him to stop. I wouldn't turn around. I just kept walking, but I kept saying, stop it. And he refused. So finally, I just got so angry. I turned around and I punched him and I ended up splitting his cheek open. And I thought for sure I was going to be in big time trouble. But All the other students just laughed and clapped because he had also tortured them. But also the gym teacher just laughed and walked away. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then due to another instance later on, he and I actually ended up becoming friends, which was interesting. Uh, But after that, I really don't have – like the bullying just faded away and stopped. So I don't know if that's because I picked up some good – social skills and maybe the school was right and I didn't have any I don't think that's the case at all or kids just kind of changed you know you were mentioning that about being held back and I was thinking about it my birthday is the cutoff date for kids starting kindergarten so like anyone that started the day before or his birthday is the day before mine or before Mm -hmm. 
starts when they're six. And I had to wait another year because of the right. way the calendar fell. And so I was we almost, must have six birthdays. Yeah. September 1st is mine. September and, 10th. Yep. Yep. So I had to, I had to start school a year later than everybody else. So I was pretty much six months to a year older than the majority of my classmates. And I think you were talking about laughing it off. I learned to do that too. And I think that, and I think part of it too is I'm an only child. So I was involved with more adults when I was young, a younger age than I was a lot of kids. Like, yeah, I went to preschool and I had kindergarten and I had friends at school, but, and I had a few neighborhood kids that I hang, hung out with a lot, but I was around a, a lot of adults. My mom's mom lived with us for a lot. Um, the first 15 years of my life. Um, and my parents were there. So I had a lot of adults around me. So I feel like part of it was I was a little more mature and maybe that's why. So I'm wondering now if I'm like, maybe it was a blessing that I started later. <laughs> you <laughs> and know, because I had a little more maturity under my belt before I had to deal with all that stuff. That is, that is a very good point too. Um, I think that's something that we don't always consider when we're placing our children in school is, are they emotionally ready yeah. for this? And that, I think that's a factor for sure. Right. Yeah. Cause you hear so many stories now of like kids that are supposed to like, because of their age, they have to start kindergarten, but they're just not ready. And so they have mm -hmm. to take another year over it. I, sometimes the parents don't want to do that or the kids are rowdy and they don't want to, they want to keep them in you know school, but they're just not ready. Um, right. Which leads to, and my mom was a saint. She worked with a special ed, uh, uh, special needs kids in this element in an elementary school. Um, so she worked with some of the kids who had some of the learning disabilities and stuff. So she learned a lot from working with them and taking classes and training on how to work with kids with autism and stuff. Um, and just seeing how they would like lash out because of mm -hmm. what they were struggling with just on their, the, the mental side of it. Um, you know, and so then they were bullied. So she would get observations of that. Um, when the kids would have to integrate into other parts of the school, like go to gym class together with their classmates or, and so I, and, and I, so I think maybe she helped me more than I realized. Right. Cause Did of her training. ninja mom stuff. Yeah, exactly. The mind tricks <laughs> and stuff. Um, I love my mom. I miss my mom. I was so close yeah. to my mom. And uh, I think that plays a big factor too. Yeah, no. they're all of our parents. And I know it's not something I'm covering, you know, I, I went and got information on and for this particular podcast, but it might be something we can explore in the future. And that's what makes a bully a bully. Why, yeah. why are they bullying? And what can we do to um, get in the way of that? Because, you know, to stop that behavior. No. Because I think as children, children are children, whether they're yeah. bullies or victims of bullying. I don't think that a bully is inherently evil, especially when they're children. And I think that's yeah. a great place to intercede. But like I said, I think that would be a great topic down the line, maybe. Yeah, I think that'd be a good one. And I, you know, it's, it, uh, what's, isn't, isn't there a quote by like Sun Tzu about, you know, know your enemies or keep your friends close and your enemies closer or something? Yeah. Uh, but you, I feel like the only way to understand the bullying sometimes is to come at it from both sides. And I, and I, I was always a science and math kind of math minded person. So like there was a, you know, there had to be a reason for it happening. Um, and you were mentioning about um, through like as you got older through school, it kind of 
um, tapered off. I kind of felt like that. So by high school, I was friends with everybody. I had friends in the cheerleaders. I had football player friends. I had, you know, geek friends. I had, you know, I was kind of in with everybody. I could be friends with anybody. Everybody accepted me as their friend. Um, There was only a couple that like really were rude to me and it wasn't even a weight issue. It was just a, I was like, I could run in all the circles and they couldn't or something. Um, Right. Right. I I found the same thing that by the time I was in high school, um, I could be friends with anybody and uh, most people just generally like me. And so, and I think it's because I developed that personality of just being easygoing and not let, you know, Mm. not letting things bother me and people are drawn to that. Yeah. And that's my experience anyway. Yeah, because it's kind of like a you're putting off a confidence that you, that you've you've got it under control. And I think you know what, what you're doing. What helped me too is I had developed also that reputation of being a scrapper, especially for the underdog. So I didn't just yeah. I didn't just I didn't have to defend myself necessarily. That really happened, but most of the time I was jumping in when it was someone else um, mm-hmm. being uh, ganged up on or bullied. And so it didn't take much for me to develop that reputation. And once I had it, you know, most people just left me alone if they were aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that- and I, yeah. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with, you know, we were all growing, you know, yes. <laughs> forced, forced to go to school. I hated, you know, having to be at school for what, eight hours a day. I couldn't wait to get out of high school. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't wait so much. I actually dropped out twice. I'm I'm actually a high school dropout, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but I did go on to get my GED and now have my master's degree. So as a message mm-hmm. to everyone out there, you know, nothing, there's nothing to get in your way if it's something you want to do. Amen. Well, the next part is talking about how we deal with uh, bullies as adults, because bullying doesn't stop when we get our high school d- diploma. It continues. Right. And I found this really great quote. Says so some people try to be tall by cutting off the heads of others, and that's a yeah. Paramahansa Yogananda. I'm probably butchered that name, and I apologize, but um, I just that really stood out to me as I was looking mm-hmm. up information on different kinds of bullying. So, in looking at adult bullying, I found an article in Psychology Today. Uh, the American Psychological Association defines bullying as a form of aggressive behavior in which someone intentionally and repeatedly causes another person injury or discomfort. Bullying can take the form of physical contact, words, or more subtle actions. And the reason I redefined it when uh, in the segue into bully, the subject of bullying as adults is because I feel like when, when there's bullying in school, it looks a little bit different than bullying as adults. Kids right. in school, we don't expect them to know better. That's why someone needs to teach them better. As adults, it feels like adults should know better. They should know mm-hmm. how to be better. And so when you run into an adult bully, it's very disconcerting and looks quite a bit different than bullies when we're kids. So they go on to say a bully can be an aggressive, juvenile, an intimidating boss or colleague, a controlling romantic partner, an unruly neighbor, a high-pressure sales or business representative, a condescending family member, a shaming social acquaintance, 
are those in a variety of other types of abusive relationships. They go on to discuss five ways in which adults engage in um, bullying behavior. These include physical bullying, tangible or material bullying, verbal bullying, passive aggressive or covert bullying, and cyber bullying. And I uh, tried to capture kind of a brief overview of each of those. Um, physical bullying seems to be pretty uh, obvious, It's phys- uh, but it can also include intimidation, threat, harassment, and or harm. This can also include, this includes instances of domestic violence or intim- intimate partner violence, as well as using one's body size to dominate personal space uh, violation um, and physical space entrapment. So kind of keeping someone in a space without letting them go or ganging up on someone with others. So even though fit, you know, physical bullying is the obvious physical touch, it includes those other things as well. Uh, tangible or material bullying. So using one's title or position or material leverage like uh, money, information, or legal as a way to control another person. Verbal bullying includes forms of intimidation, threat, harassment, and or harm. So the threat of harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, passive aggressive bullying or covert bullying. I was really happy to find this definition or the, their description of this because even though I've experienced this personally, I never really would have had the words for it. So, um, so it was really interesting to find. So passive aggressive or, or covert, covert bullying, uh, this person behaves appropriately on the surface, but takes you down with subtlety. Examples of passive aggressive or covert bullying include negative gossip, negative joking at someone's expense, sarcasm, condescending eye contact, facial expression or gestures, mimicking to ridicule, deliberately causing embarrassment and insecurity, the invisible treatment, so treating someone like they're not there, social exclusion, professional isolation, and deliberately sabotaging someone's well-being, happiness, and or success. And then finally, cyberbullying is any of the previously mentioned um, types of bullying just done online via social media. So with those descriptions and definitions out there, um, have you experienced any of that, EJ? Put you on the hot seat. Yeah. um, I'm grateful that I have not experienced domestic violence. Um, You know, I mean, of course I've had the times where like I've walked down the street and there's somebody behind me and you can hear the snickering or the comments about you know my size or my weight um when I was in college there was a class I was in and we were having a discussion on um how uh, how to approach people I think it was about a communication class or something and they were the professor was asking us to kind of talk about things that like would put us off from having a conversation with somebody else um and this one guy who was a very um outspoken uh New York City former New York City firefighter um, and I was in Washington at the time, so he had moved to Washington and made a comment about um, large women who often wore clothes that didn't fit them, like were skinny or or skin tight clothes, um, which made them very unattractive to him. And he made he called it out. And I'm sitting like the row in front of him, so there's no way he couldn't see me. 
And I even stood up and I'm like, well, you know, those are the women that give me a bad name because I don't do that. And he actually came up to me after class and apologized and said that he wasn't trying to attack me at all. And I was like, yeah, but you brought it up and you didn't clarify that. So that's why I said something in class. And I don't like, I think that was the first time I truly had to like stand up and like I actually did stand up and say something in front of a group of people about that. I don't think I've ever dealt with any cyberbullying. Um, I mean, I definitely have been witnesses to it and I see it all the time, like comments made. um, And for me, like I do my best to like be as encouraging as possible online, especially because I I tend to be in like a lot of fan groups and stuff. So like when an actor posts something, I'm always like, hey, I'm real proud of you. Thank you. I love you. You know, so I try not to get involved in like the drama and I may have my own opinions and I may trust like one person to share that with privately, but I am not going to put that stuff out there online. But and I, and I know that there's a lot of people who um, have their reasons for being online and I spend a lot of time online. I haven't like experienced the depth of it. And I know there's tons of um news stories and things that have happened over the last 20 years or so with the spread of technology and especially since we've had cell phones and you know the the phones that you know connect to like twitter and instagram and facebook and stuff they're right at you know our fingertips and it's just as simple as like a few words online and then you're it can really affect um that I definitely have had some passive aggressive bullying, but like not like specifics, but I've had people comment things kind of snidely to the side, not realizing maybe what they're saying. And then it comes later, you know, that they have to like apologize because they realize what they said off the top of my head. I can't really think of anything, which I guess I'm grateful for, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, and I mean, of course. And I, you know, and I know like in the medical field, especially like the physical medical field, like MDs and you're working with doctors and you go to an appointment or you have a CT scan done. There's certain terminology that's used to, that they use in the medical field to describe somebody who's overweight or of that stature. And even though I know that those are professional terms, I don't like them. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, um, it's bad enough hearing, you know, the doctor say you're obese or morbidly obese. I'm like, you know what? You really don't have to use the M word because I'm like, it's bad <laughs> enough that I know I'm overweight. You don't need to cons- say that it's morbidly, but it's, it's true. Like it's a fact. There right. are, you know, there's truth and there's just, you know, um, research that says that larger people ha- often have higher morbidity rates, but I don't need to be reminded of it every five minutes, you know, every doctor's right. appointment or, or have um, everything chalked up to that. Right, right. I don't know how many times I've left doctor's appointments feeling uh, fat, stupid, poor, and that's and and therefore everything gets chalked up to that. And, oh yeah, poor is another one. Yeah. So so you know, especially when I was still on state medical, you know, I didn't get the care because you know, I obviously, I don't know what I obviously was, but yeah. So. Um, yeah, I and I it's gotten to the point where I I refuse to go to the doctor because if everything can just be chalked up to that, then what do I need them for? Right. So, and so I think I think that's kind of a professional. I mean, sometimes un, unintentional professional bullying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? so. Which and you know and I know there's the, like the terminology nowadays is there's political correctness. You know you 
Um, you don't tell, you don't say waitress or waiter anymore. You say server. So it can be male or female. So, and I understand that, like you want to be appropriate, but when you're talking to somebody in the paper, I think the worst part is when they tell me like verbally say that, but then I get the paperwork, like the, the, the professional paperwork, like the, the, the check you out paperwork. And it says all the, the terms and it's like, yeah, nothing, nothing like that to hit you in the feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm like, but again, then I feel like, you know, I go back to my you know childhood self and I'm like, whatever that's their opinion of me that's not how I feel of me so moving on um and I I you know when I was thinking I was like maybe I've just become numb to it so I don't notice it as frequently you have to have a thick skin Mm -hmm. to deal with that and 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 that comes by having that mask of like that security you know that mask of I can handle this Mm um but I'm like you know what I'm a grown adult and whatever's issue that I, that they're teasing me about or making comments about, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do about their insecurity of whatever yes. they're dealing with. They're just trying to make me feel bad. So we will feel bad. See, and I've I, always looked at it. So that kind of gives you a perspective that gives you a little bit of armor against it. Mm-hmm. I know that since becoming an adult, I can rarely, there's rare, rare, rare occasions in which I'm the victim of bullying. So much so that when I am, it's almost a shock. It's like, what just happened there? I don't even understand how the, <laughs> you know, um, right. I've learned to wear the I'm nice to everyone mask so securely that um, it usually puts, you know, keeps people pleasant with me. Uh, and when I run into someone who doesn't immediately fall prey to my charms, I work harder. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make you like me. I'm you're going to crack a smile by the time I'm done. Um, okay. and you know, so for me, it's been rare, but I did have one instance in which, um, I'm not going to name where I was working because that would be unprofessional, but I had this job where I actually became the target of a bully so much so that in the long run, I was fired. And through that whole thing, I was just shocked. I was beyond belief. I remember um, at one point I was in a management type role and Mm -hmm. she had worked it so that the director was on her side and they demoted me and put in place someone Mm -hmm. with less education and far less experience in my place and she truly thought I was going to quit I mean you could see it in the smirk on her face and up to that point I'd even gone to her and said what can I do to fix this and her response to me was well if you can't figure it out I don't even know what the problem is at this point you know right so she had expected me to quit and everybody in this place knew what was going on so when I left after that you could just feel it in the air. Like everybody was super tense and I went home and of course I cried about it and I thought about it and I prayed about it and I just sat with it and I said, what kind of person do I want to be? I have every right to quit. I would be well within my rights to quit right now. No right. one blame me for that, but is that the person I want to be? And I worked in a situation in which there were uh, teenagers Um and they would see that. And that's kind of what cinched the decision for me. So the next day I went back and I walked into the building with a smile on my face 
And the whole place went silent, even the kids, everybody went silent. And I just went about and I greeted everybody like it was an, any other day. I uh, found the person who was going to replace me and said, hey, why don't you come with me and I'll show you what I've been doing so you can figure out how you want to do it and let me help you move into my office and I'll move my stuff out. And her jaw just dropped and it wasn't her fault. She didn't do anything uh, to, you know, in regards to this, she just got caught up in the whole situation. And then by the end of the day, the gal who had put the target on my back pulled me aside and says, I am just so impressed by how well you're managing this and how, how I can't remember her words. And I just turned and looked at her and said, well, that's because I know what kind of person I am. And I now know what kind of person you are and walked mm-hmm. away. But mm-hmm. that was like the biggest instant incident in my adult life in which mm-hmm. I'm the victim of bullying. But like you said, I've also witnessed a lot yeah. of uh, in places of employment um, and as well on online. You know, definitely yeah. watch it happen online. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough out there because bullies have the security of the screens in between, which makes it worse. Gives them anonymity. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they don't have to be accountable for what they're saying and doing. Right. Because they can just, you know, they think they can just delete something. Um, right. Or walk away from it's out there, people. you can't really delete it. Yeah. Yep. And they don't get to see the person on the other side. They don't right. get to see the harm they're doing. Yeah. And so I really think that's a factor. Yeah. And it's, you know, and even just thinking about like, I think we, we briefly touched on this last week, you know, like texting people, like even having a text conversation, that context can change in just the way you spell a word or capitalize a word and can easily be taken the wrong way, you know? Like if you type it, not thinking it's going to come across as a joke, but it comes across as something, anything but, um, that's why it's so tough to communicate, you know, and like, you've got to really be careful, um, about how you say things. Um, cause I know I've had times where I've had to like check myself and like reread a message a few times, like, do they mean it this way? And then I have to think about the person who's sending the message and like, I think they meant it this point. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so I try to take the context of who's sending the message before I start getting like all irate about the message. But then on the other hand, I still, I, I have, it's valid for me. Like it's, I have every right to be upset of how like the reaction I get, you know? Right. Well, I find for me, like, cause I have that social anxiety that I assume that people are saying nice things to me just because they're trying to be polite and that uh, they actually think different things about me. Um, that's not nearly as big as it used to be when I was younger, but um, it's still a factor And texting can sometimes do that to me where I fall back into that of, I see that and I don't, yeah, I can, I can try to pull up that person and say, well, you know, what, what do I, you know, is that something that's in line with, with what they would normally do? But that little voice in my head goes, well, maybe they're actually finally telling you what they think. Right. Or, you know, or maybe you finally pushed them over the edge. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but I think that's a really good point though, is to remember, you know, to think about who it is you're talking to and what your experience. You know, and I know for me, like I, I, it might be a little bit of social anxiety, but I often struggle with actually physically talking on the phone. 
but I don't mind texting or like emailing. So then I have to think like, (laughs) you know, like I would rather text, you know, sometimes it's just because I'm just trying to get information to somebody, you know, it's not like a, a back and forth conversation, but then there's other times where I have like, you start emailing back and forth about like a project you're working on. And then it's like, you finally get to a point where like, I'm just going to call them. And it's easier to just talk for 10 minutes than it is to spend an hour emailing back and forth about this. But there's those um, where you can't get off the phone. at 10 Right. Right. Yeah. So then you have to think about that too. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm the same way. I prefer texting and talking on the phone. And, and that kind of makes me think of something that's a little bit funny is that with my social anxiety, there was a period in my life where I worked for ans- an ans- two different answering services for two years in a row. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like People are like, how'd you do that when you don't like being on the phone? Well, <laughs> I got paid too, so right. there was some motivation there. But there were aspects of that those uh, both places that gave me a lot of anxiety. Uh, that was very difficult. But anyway, that's another topic. So one of the things that we've kind of done as we've been talking is how we've dealt with with bullies uh, ourselves. Is there some other ways that that you can think of that you've dealt with bullies, um, not only as a child, but also as an adult that you would add to that or some way you would summarize as if you were given someone advice? I don't know. I don't think I'd add anything else. Yeah, definitely make sure you know who you can trust and who can advocate for you and don't be afraid to speak up either. I think a lot of times what, cause I know for me, I personally bottle stuff up a lot, which is not good. Why do you think you do that? Um, just because I don't want to, either I don't want to deal with it or I'm like, I don't feel like I can make a difference in that situation or that, you know, so I can't change it. So I'm just not going to deal with it. Right. Right. Um, well, sometimes I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, for sure. Um, just sort of to kind of recap what you're saying is that, is that first of all, uh, safety in numbers, you know, knowing who you can trust, bringing people in when you need to, uh, standing up for yourself if necessary, or if you can. Um, and that kind of involves knowing who you are yeah. and being confident in who you are and what you know. And what you have to contribute to a situation. And yeah, so some self-confidence. I know that in the past that I have, um, I usually, if I'm dealing with a bully directly, where I'm the subject of the bullying, kind of like what you're talking about, a lot of times I just don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. So I would rather see if it just goes away. Sometimes that's easier. It feels like, and um, and that in the 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 story I shared earlier ended up being part of the problem. In my opinion, is that I just assumed that I would be in the long run considered for my my actual character, uh, that people would see me for who I was, mm-hmm. and that that would somehow protect me in that situation. So I didn't speak up directly. Some of that was lacking self-confidence that I, that maybe I was misreading things or making too much of things as what was another thing I was afraid of doing. And so um, I didn't 
uh, find anyone who would be an advocate or someone I could trust in that situation. Uh, so that definitely would have worked in my favor had I done that. Uh, as a kid, like I said, I just used my sense of humor, yeah. um, which ended up being uh, one of my biggest defense tools in my toolbox. Uh, to this day, I, I still do that. I still use humor uh, to t- try to uh, distract people. I find that, like I said, I'm, I'm usually not the target of bullying. And when I see bullying in real life, I tend to be very adamant and quick and I jump straight in. I don't even hesitate. I, there's nothing to me worse than seeing an adult bully. Um, and so I'm really usually quick into that. I think another thing too, that I, I deal with bullies um, on a daily basis in a way when I'm working with my clients, not that right. my clients are bullies, but they're victims of bullying in some form or fashion. They've been, uh, most of my, a lot of my clients are victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. and child abuse. And so that's in part how I deal with bullies is by helping the victims, I guess. Yeah. So can you think of anything else that you would add to that? Add to what worked for me? Yeah. Or just the, just the topic. I, I definitely, you know, think, you know, I, I feel like the the biggest thing with bullying and, you know, honestly, there is a ton right now going on, like in the last few years that I'm not ready to talk about. I talked about it with people, but like, I'm not ready to like talk about it because I just, yeah, that it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's really hard to talk about. And I, you know, my, I guess coming from the standpoint of like having been bullied as a child for what I looked like and you know they you know even in the 50s and 60s women weren't even allowed to have the same jobs in some way or were expected to have um, homemaker jobs and seamstress jobs because that's what a woman was supposed to do whereas they couldn't work in like a computer lab or they couldn't um, work in the science or the math field. I remember growing up my grandmother she wanted me to love history and English and I hated both (laughs) (laughs) um just just things like that and I like we've come a long way and I know we've got a lot to work on and I just having been bullied all my life you know granted I have not experienced the extent as some others have and I'm grateful for those people in my corner that have protected me and helped me out and I just think that (sighs) stooping to the level of the bully is not going to work. Right. So like if somebody says, calls me a bad name, me turning around and calling them a bad name is not going to do anything except they're going to know that I was affected by what they said. And I think that, I mean, and that comes with training and, you know, talking to people and not being, you know, afraid you have to love yourself first before you can stand up for yourself. So sometimes you got to work on your own stuff. I think that's perfect. Exactly. You know, and I, and I think, I, and maybe that's what it was, was like, because I was younger or when I was younger and I was raised in such a positive household and I didn't have the negativity at home about my weight, when people would come at me, I was just, I could brush it off. And even to this day, I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm like, that's their opinion, not mine. 
And I feel bad when people are treated because of their weight like that. And I'm like, so then it's helping that person see, like, help their self-confidence get better in themselves, like how they see themselves. Right. Um, so yeah, there's got to be a sense of, of caring about who you are, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what other people say. Right. And having your own set of values and the character traits you want. Um, yes, that's where it, I was going. Yes. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I have those yeah. occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that when I'm working with people on the subject of bullying, whether it's when kids or even adults are dealing with bullies, a lot of the advice I get that give them are things like remembering that bullies are targeting people they see as weaker, not that they are weaker. So what do they see? They are weaker. And they're trying to get something. And it's the only way they know how to get it. So oftentimes mm-hmm. with bullies standing, and they're often typically cowards. <laughs> most bullies, not all, most mm-hmm. bullies are cowards. And so when you stand up to them, oftentimes they will back down. They, they, right. will, they will back up. Now, I find in my, per, in my observations that adult bullies look a little bit different than kid bullies in that Adults can be a little bit more vicious. <laughs> they say kids mm-hmm. are mean. They have nothing on adult bullies because right. adults have been doing this for a long time and it's worked for them for a long time. And often when we ask someone to, uh, we try to get someone to change their behavior, they'll ramp up their behavior before they'll, they'll step back and go, okay, that's not working anymore. So sometimes in my experience of working with victims, Sometimes standing up to the bully is a great thing and it puts them in their place, but sometimes that means they may come back swinging harder. And so Mm. being aware of that. And that's why I really like your suggestion of knowing who your advocates are, knowing who your people are. Don't go it alone. You don't have to go it alone. And so one of the advantages of social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot, is there, you can find other people who are like you mm-hmm. that you have things in common with. You don't have to be alone in it. You can find people to talk to. Yeah. Um, and so that's always a factor too. So regardless of what you do to respond to a bully, make, first and foremost, you have to make sure you're safe. Um, right. Especially right. if you're an adult dealing with a bully, you're probably dealing with another adult bully. Safety has always got to be a factor with kids. That's a little bit different. Often the bu- the kid who's bullying are not as sophisticated and as dangerous as an adult bully can be. So the other so the other resources are law enforcement and yeah. counselors. And um, if you're dealing with bullying in the workplace, uh, if it's not your dir- if it's your direct boss, go to the boss above them. Um, yeah. If it's in the workplace, likely others have experienced this bullying too. Yeah, Human Resources usually has, you know, you usually have a line where you can call directly to HR if somebody in your workplace is um, bullying you or threatening you, especially if it's, um, it's you've already gone to like a supervisor and it's not been taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if it seems like the whole system is designed to support that bully, I know it's never cut and dry. It's never as easy as this, but you may want to consider a different job, right. a different a different workplace, because trying to operate under that when it's a system-wide bullying situation, 
it's really hard to affect change. So uh, knowing what your power is might be knowing that you need to go get an, another job. And like I said, I know that's easier said than done. I've definitely been in work situations in which um, I know that there was a job I had in a small town at a local McDonald's and it, I did. I had forgotten all about that. That was that whole thing was a bullying situation, and it was system wide. But there were no other jobs, so mm -hmm. I had to tolerate it to keep food on the table. Yeah. Uh, but um, I knew that at the end of my shift, I could go home. So right. that sort of helped helped me out in that. So I think if I were to give more, uh, some more advice on dealing with a bully in the moment, is staying calm keeping your yeah. head about you like you said don't drop to their level right. don't rise to the occasion stay calm yeah. uh, I think if there's one thing that I've ever done with any kind of bully in any kind of situation where there needed to be some sort of de-escalation maintaining that calm voice steady voice not talking really fast not talking really slow just steady um, mm -hmm. kind of puts kind of puts uh the other person either at ease or kind of puts them back a little bit because they're not used to that. Yeah. Um, and then they're, 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 they can't figure you out. So, mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, um, what I would say on this is this is a topic we may come back to in the future because we see so much of this bullying behavior in the world around us. Right now. Um, but at being a new podcast, we do not feel we are ready to give the attention it warrants. Uh, it would involve getting into topics that are very hot and likely triggering for some. So we may come back to it later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's only fair because I know it would trigger me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we, we want to be able to be talk about the facts and do it justice, you know. Right. Um, we don't want to just throw something together on a weekend or something. You know, we want to be able to really talk about it truthfully and honestly and get a little more experience under our belts before that can happen. So. Absolutely. And I, you know, and in, in transparency is that, uh, like you said, there are some that will even be triggering for us as we're talking about it. Um, so definitely want to make sure we're prepared for that. But also we could get a lot of feedback that we may not be prepared for. Um, I know that I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't think I'm ready for taking on a topic that might be controversial and speaking mm -hmm. my mind about it and getting a lot of backlash for it. So I want to make sure that we're in a good place for that. And I also want to right. honor all three of us um, and yeah. – certain topics my mouth runs before I have a chance to stop it so correct yes I yeah <laughs> yes there's there's a lot of topics and I, I don't want you guys to like our, as listeners I don't want you guys to think that we're not discussing it between the three of us um, but we just know because it is such um, controversial time right now there's a lot going on that we just don't want to bring it to you and put a dark light on it or yet uh, <laughs> yeah it might yeah come I mean, a point we where we just, we're more confident in ourselves as a podcast yeah, that yeah. we'd be what, ready to ta uh, tackle those things. Yeah. Cause I know for me, like I would want to do some like deep research um, on certain specific things going on. So I know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. before I jump into discussing. It, Absolutely. You know? and, and that's, that's why I was saying like, I want to, I personally, like I would like to make sure that, you know, we're, I uh, wouldn't say schooled, but like definitely have really gone over the facts of the situation that's happened. Right. 
um, which regardless of when it happened or, you know, what we're talking about specifically, but yeah, that's, um, yeah. Well, definitely be good to go in with, with that knowledge because um, then we can state the differences between fact and opinion. Like this is what we know as fact. This is, you know, where we've got that right. information and this is what I think about it. Definitely would like some feedback from listeners. Yeah. If you guys have any thoughts about that, if there's a topic you'd like us to maybe like start researching to tackle, um, feel free to let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, And suggestions for any future podcasts we would love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've enjoyed coming up with the the, um, topics we've come up with recently. Um, And definitely there's tons to talk about, you know, different, even, even in during the podcast that we record, we, think of another idea or another <laughs> direction we could have gone with that. So then it starts another one, yes. which is awesome. I think that's how this, part, we also, this episode came about. <laughs> yeah, it did. It piggybacked off uh, the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and yeah, we definitely want to like um, bring content to you guys that you want to hear. Um, not just what we want to share. So <laughs> feel free. We're, we're open. We're an open book. I'll talk about anything. <laughs> Even if I, I'll pretend I know something about it. Oh, wait, that goes against what you were just saying that we'd research it, huh? Oh, yeah. Just a friendly reminder that anything discussed in this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis or a replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or other medical professionals. This episode is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Behind the Mask PC and will soon be on YouTube. If you don't use social media, you can also email us at behindthemaskpc at gmail.com. Feel free to review us on Anchor, leave feedback on the platform you listen to us on, or message us through our social media or email because we'd love to hear what you think. Again, if there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to message us and we'll see about making that happen. You can find myself, EJ, on Twitter and Instagram as EJ8302, and T has a YouTube channel called T's Life Lessons. If you'd like to help keep these episodes coming, you can monetarily support us by visiting anchor.fm slash behind the mask PC slash support. And on behalf of Lori T and myself, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time.